Welcome to Building with Brick, Foundational Wisdom on Coaching, Careers, and Christ. This leadership podcast was spawned by Coach Brickner's book, So You Want to Be a Coach, which is the story of a corporate executive who made a drastic career change and became a head men's basketball coach. Dr. Brickner's book is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook on Amazon.com or go to his website, www.drjoebrickner.com. That's drjoebrickner.com. Now, here's this week's podcast. Welcome back to Building with Brick, Foundational Wisdom on Coaching Careers in Christ. I'm Dr. Joe Brickner. My guest, Chris Godfrey, former Super Bowl champ, but he's made a great life since he retired from uh, football and doing things much more important than what he and I thought were really important things when we were in college. One of those things is he wrote a book, it's called That's Where I Live, a guide to good relationships and started Life Athletes. He's the president of that organization. Chris, tell us about how that all came about and then tell us of the importance of the book and the organization itself. We spoke earlier about football mentors. I think at this point I should mention another mentor uh, that I had regards to Life Athletes and that was uh, John Cardinal O'Connor. Can you see him there? Yes. All right. Yep. John Cardinal O'Connor. He was the uh, Archbishop of New York, and I had the pleasure of telling, thanking him for our Super Bowl rings, because at the team luncheon, the beginning of the season, you know, we bust into a New York hotel and have this big luncheon with all of the giant fans. Cardinal O'Connor gave the invocation. He was he was new to his post. And he said that, I've never done this before, but I'm going to pray that the Giants win this year. I'm going to pray for them this season. And we won the Super Bowl. And so uh, that spring, actually, then Cardinal uh, Joseph Ratzinger was in town and uh, at, for a lecture. And so got a chance to kind of go through the receiving line, shake the future Pope's hand, and then thank Cardinal O'Connor for our Super Bowl rings. And I stayed in touch with him. I remember asking him, I was trying to decide on the next right step. I'm graduating from law school now, and I really have a heart to do something more. And I was very much interested in pro-life things. And, and I remember going out and visiting him at his residence, and he just listened, didn't really say anything. You know, it was a very nice meeting, but I really didn't get any kind of direction. You should do this, you should do that. A month or so later, he came out to uh, South Bend and he spoke at our parish uh, because he didn't want to be, the Notre Dame students invited him uh, to give them a day of recollection, but he wasn't friendly with Notre Dame because of all the stuff that they were involved with. And so they had an offsite at our parish. And so I'm standing in the back of the church and he's up there kind of beginning, introducing whatever. and. And he said, oh, and um, I'd like you to draw your attention to a very special guy back there, Chris Godfrey, uh, played the Giants or whatever that, and he goes, 
and he just graduated from law school at Notre Dame, and he's and he's doing uh, life athletes work full time now. <laughs> and my wife elbowed me. He's telling you what to do without telling you what to do. Oh. And uh, because life athletes was something that kind of grew up from a relationship that I had with a couple of other older fellows who are very pro-life, one of them being uh, the late giant owner, Wellington Mara, and kind of figuring out how could we use this athletic prestige, if you will, to turn people's hearts and minds towards, you know, protecting the sanctity of life. And so that was the beginning of the whole thing. And so with that encouragement from uh, Cardinal O'Connor and the financial support that a number of dinners that Wellington Mara helped us have at the New York Athletic Club and Knights of Columbus were very important to us. And so it grew into recruiting other athletes to be role models, to make that life athletes commitment that I just mentioned, to help um, teach others, be a good example for them in this regard. And so it was you know, sports camps. Um, it was school assemblies. We had posters. We had some videos. If you go to our website, you can see our our best video, uh, it's called That's Where I Live, and it's there for free. It's a five-minute video. Uh, again, we have it on DVD. If somebody would like to purchase one, you can. And then I wrote some What's curriculum. Your What's your website? It's lifeathletes.org. So www.lifeathletes. Got to spell athletes right. That's something that's hard. <laughs> Athletes.org. Now shoot me an email and say you'd like to get a hold of the video. It's part of another curriculum thing. So. So the book that you share, That's Where I Live, A Guide to Good Relationships, I wrote that for the simple reason as I wanted to deepen my audience's understanding of what all of this means. And I drew upon church teaching primarily because we have such a wealth of foundational material within the Catholic Church, the Catholic Catechism, some papal documents. It's really, really good stuff as well as scripture. And I wanted to make, you know, I, I suppose I once told a, a fellow law student, a buddy of mine, that I felt a little remiss that I wasn't using my law degree more. And he said, oh, no, you're, you certainly are using it. You're stating your case, marshalling your arguments, driving home the conclusion. Yeah, I, thank you. I feel better now. But that's really what the book was all about. And then getting it into schools. And um, because I, you know, couldn't, you couldn't do a National Speakers Bureau. That was getting kind of unwieldy for a number of reasons. But to get the curriculum in. But that opened up a whole nother can of worms of dealing with people that didn't agree with you but couldn't say so because it is a Catholic school after all, that kind of a thing. And then actually one large diocese did some house-to-house -house fighting, got them to finally accept it, where the top brass had to play ball with me. So they kept asking me to make changes to the book that you just showed. And we did uh, to make it look more this, a little more that, whatever it might be, without compromising. And so I fought a couple of years to do that. And so we have another iteration. It's a different format. Maybe it looks more like a textbook. The book that you showed is a more readable book. You could, it sounds like somebody said it sounds like a coach talking to you in the locker room. But the other one looks more, is more like a textbook and this, that look and feel. And it's called See I Make All Things New. And it, and it went up, uh, and the Archdiocese of Boston used it in all its schools right after that big scandal that broke some years ago. 
So it was very timely because they were bringing in an objectionable program, but they were doing it under duress because you had this huge scandal, attorney generals breathing down our neck. And they had a wonderful cardinal that just, who was already a friend of mine, took over and he wanted to bring something Catholic in. And that's, our curriculum was. And so that got in there. So, so I remember going to a meeting once with uh, one of my teammates and he walked out of there. They're trying to kill you with a thousand cuts. <laughs> it was, it was, um, but a lot of wonderful people up there that created an, a good space and we had a victory up there. So it was very football-like uh, talking about pro-life things in the public square, as you might imagine. And that should be an indication of just how important this battle is and what's at stake. And I think it's also, I keep telling myself not to get tired, okay? I guess eternity will be time enough to rest, uh, but you do, you do kind of get weary with the kind of stuff you got to put up with. But I think that's what we're called to do. It's ramping up. So, anyways, we've written a number of uh, different kind of curriculums going in. The one that you held up is uh, is our baby, and that's the one that I would most recommend. But we've we've um, tried to make our case uh, whenever or wherever we can. I've even given little chapels before an NBA before an NBA game. The guys are all just finished their their warm ups and they're in their sweats and they're sitting around and give them a little blurb about what we're at, who we are, and inviting them to join with us, that sort of a thing. And that's been fun, you know. Even baseball uh, guys, you know. But what a different locker room baseball is from football. <laughs> <laughs> They've got the. Uh buffet sitting out there they got the, the beer or whatever <laughs> yeah they're just so laid back yeah we'll we'll have a we'll get together right after batting practice where football is kind of like you know we'll see you at 213 right here <laughs> <laughs> so anyways uh i digress a little bit so so the the life athletes endeavor was a way of using the super bowl ring okay I remember uh, when I got this ring that night, I said a prayer before I went to bed, Lord, you know, really unlikely that I would have ever gotten one of these. And I know that I got it for a reason. What do you want me to do with it? And one of the big questions that I had was nearing the end of my career is where was I going to live? Were we going to stay out here in northern New Jersey outside of New York City and live the life of, you know, being a part of a Super Bowl team? And in a big area of millions of people that just, you know, you're a celebrity wherever you go or move back to the Midwest where, where home was and all the rest. And I remember having a dream and it was actually, uh, I thought it was a flying dream. I don't know if you ever had a flying dream. I haven't had one in quite a while, but I remember they were fun. <laughs> but so it's gonna be a flying dream, but actually I was being, I was kind of going up, up, up and I broke the cloud line and I realized I was in heaven. I couldn't see anything, but I heard People were just really happy up there, having a good time. And uh, the most striking thing about it was feeling our Lord's presence and how, how happy he was to be with me, you know, not just generally happy, but happy to be with me. And it was so striking. Actually, when I was waking up, I heard, I heard in my mind a song that talked, uh, it was, uh, the refrain was for the man who follows Jesus, never the pearl of great prices, the pearl of grace price was his thing. And I realized that that's what I wanted to be. And that's where I wanted, uh, that was the answer to my, where am I going to live? And that's the title of what we use with Life Athletes. You know, our, our tagline in our video is, that's where I live. And it's not a place where a mail is delivered. It's what we love, what we think is important. It's what's in our hearts. And so I realized that that's where I wanted to be. 
And as I mentioned earlier, it wasn't time yet to go to heaven. There were things for me to do and the things that the choices that I were to make, hopefully from then on would be the next right step in that direction. All right. And so doing the life athletes work was a great opportunity and way for me to do something really meaningful. And, uh, and it was challenging, as I mentioned, and it was kind of interesting. I met a lot of neat people as well and good people and benefited from generosity of many people. It was a great experience. And I think the best of all was that it permeated uh, the lives of my children and our family. They all got involved. Kids sat through one or two presentations through in, in the day and been a part of sports camps. And I in turn have coached them and uh, and it's all been good. And I think that when you, you know, make the decision to be a Christian, you're not giving up anything that's worthwhile. You're actually gaining so much more. And I guess that's an initial hurdle people face when they consider becoming Christian. But as I shared, that faded really fast. Because once you're faced with life, you just realize how valuable that pearl of great price really is. And when people start looking at you cross-eyed, you go, I don't, I don't feel like there's something wrong with me. I kind of go, what's wrong with you? You know, as Charlie says, it's a low information person. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, so Life Athletes has been a great blessing and a great tool. And it's one that I, I don't use as frequently um, simply because with the, all that's been going on and uh, been practicing law more frequently uh, in the last 10 years or so, I've got responsibilities, you know, putting kids through college and all that good stuff. But um, I still am very much involved with life athletes when the opportunities arise, such as a podcast like this one or other things we do during the year, um, but not to the sort of like pedal to the metal where I'm on the road, you know, four days a week and traveling all over the place. It's probably just as well, uh, given the last couple of years. You know, it's some, in some ways I feel like a, like a, a seed and um, it's just waiting. Uh, and I think the ground might be getting plowed up a little bit right now that people, young people in particular, will start looking for things that are more real, realizing that they've been following a smoke and mirrors, whatever. But we'll see. It's in God's time and um, learning how to react accordingly. I mentioned earlier, and I think in part one, I'd talked about meeting you at the National Conference of the Corps of Renewal and Charity. How did you get involved with, with that? And is it making a difference in your life? It, it has. And I, I learned of um, Charlie and Korak through um, a, one of his priests. You know, he talks about his priests. Yeah. And I, I know one of them pretty well. And he was stationed in this area about 10, 15 years ago. And I remember him talking about this fella and his messages and about what was in store for our country sort of a thing. And I remembered him telling me that. And uh, so that's interesting. Um, but he came through, priest came through town last year or maybe it was the year before. He happened to be just staying a couple of days and gave me a call and we, we caught up. And he said, do you remember that guy I told you about? I said, yeah, I do remember that. So this is his name and uh, this is his website. And so that's how I got to know of Charlie and his mission. And it resonated with me. I, I enjoyed his take, so to speak. 
yeah, I followed it because of all the different things that I understood and saw. And the fact that my friend knew Charlie quite well and some of the other of his priests I know of and even think another one of them I actually know and respect. So I consider them all reliable sources, which is important when you're dealing with somebody that you're making strong statements and half of it is kind of mystical. Um, but that's not to discount it because I'm, I've had some experience with prophets and people with mystical sorts of things in the past. And I don't dismiss them out of hand. Uh, I don't. I don't dwell on them at all. I'm not one of those kind of guys. But many years ago, we had a visitor in our home because of my wife's Ukrainian background, and he had been invited to Notre Dame to speak. He was thrown out of the Soviet Union for for being a Catholic activist, and he spent 30 years in the Gulag system. And he had very strong. He was part of. Um, he had a very strong Marian devotion. And his story and all the things that he shared, probably for another show. But he stayed with us, and we because we had a house that could accommodate him and his and his translators. And he'd come back from his couple of talks that he gave over at Notre Dame in the evening, and we would stay up to the wee hours drinking tea, and he'd be telling us all these fantastic stories about things, about things that were kind of growing behind the scenes that we're experiencing now, things that don't make any sense, but yet we're experiencing them now. How is that? And so, so this, this visionary was sharing some of these things with us, and they were so fantastic, I had nothing to compare them to other than to remember them. And I remember at one point, so what do we do about this? And he goes, nothing. <laughs> Not that he was a nihilist or a defeatist. He was very much devoted to our Blessed Mother who saved his life in the freezer cell when they threw him in there one night uh, to die. And as he was hunkered down in what they called the, the freezer cell with the permafrost from the Siberia was blowing in, they never expected anybody to live the night there. And he was sitting there huddled on his bunk, praying his rosary. He started to feel heat on his forehead. And he's going, oh, I must be freezing to death because I understand frostbite actually feels like you're warming. What? Then they saw light started to grow in his room. So he opens his eyes and there's Mary with, his, with her hand on his forehead yeah. saying, you called me and here I am. Wow. And so the next morning they found him and the, you know, the cell was warm. <laughs> oh, this guy's really special. He must have some sort of ESP. Yeah. So, they, so they sent him to the psychiatric hospital where he ran circles around him there. And finally, they got exasperated. And Gorbachev was trying to prove to the world that it was a new Soviet Union. So they expelled him. Anyways, uh, little things like that you remember and helps you to understand a little bit why some things are so weird. And they kind of resonate with some of the things that Charlie sang and others too. It's very clear that our Lord has sent his Blessed Mother to our assistance. And we know that from some of the major apparitions like Fatima and all the rest. And then Mary's coming to uh, form an army. And I really think that Korak is a part of that. This year is a very, in my mind anyways, a very strong Marian year. Kind of waiting to see, you know, what she expects of me and the rest of us. And I, I feel confident that with her help, I'll be able to take the next right step. And Charlie encouraged me recently, I was reading as you were, that don't fret about coming up with a plan <laughs> and all the many contingencies that might happen. Uh, because whatever it is, it's not going to work. But we have, we have a, a, good, a good team that we're a part of, and our job isn't to call the place.
Well, I think someone said on our conference call the other day that you are the leader for Indiana. Or you're taking over the leadership for Indiana. Yeah. That's great. We, uh, My wife and I, Connie, we're the regional directors for Kansas and Nebraska. People that we are meeting are just wonderful, wonderful people. And people that we never would have met had we not been in CORAC. Uh, and they're so helpful. You know, Connie and I both got COVID in early December and we got the, we didn't get Omicron, we got the Delta. So neither of us were in very good shape and neither of us have been vaccinated. We just, we don't believe that that's the right direction for us. And it was amazing how people stepped up with ivermectin and helped us through that. And it was all CORAC. I mean, overnighting medicine to us. Unbelievable just how helpful they were. And, and the prayers, my goodness, had so many of the CORAC people praying for us, you know. They must have prayed for Connie a little harder because she recovered very quickly. And and, uh, and I've got this cough that just keeps, as you probably <laughs> noticed, but, uh, plus she probably lives Probably leads a better life than I do anyway, but. <laughs> you had a few more rough edges to shave off. I do, I really do, I do. Chris, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience? A lot of the people that listen to this are involved with athletics, but almost everyone that I talk to is a role model of some sort. And almost every one of them are faith-based. It's just amazing how faith has helped them become the people that they are. So would you have any words of wisdom for maybe a young coach or a young player that uh, would help them approach life in the right way? Yes, um, I would say would have to begin with, you know, Vince Lombardi once talked to his team after a crushing loss. They had already experienced a championship or whatever in the next season, they had a crushing loss. And Co Coach Lombardi realized, you know, things were off. To go back to the beginning, the team meeting began with, gentlemen, we got to get back to basics. And he held up a football and said, gentlemen, this is a football. Some wise guy yelled out, you say that, go, go over that again, coach. <laughs> <laughs> but point is that if you're going to be a coach, you're going to be a husband, a father, you're going to deal with other people you're going to want to put first things first. And all of that is going to begin with having a good relationship with your heavenly father. And because from all of that, you know, the graces that you receive, the light that you receive, the love that you receive, you then have to give to others. And that's the only real thing that you can offer. Even if you're a brilliant tactician, you know, Players don't care what you know unless they know you care, right? Just like teachers. And uh, like the coach I had, you know, he kicked our butts, but we knew, we knew he loved us. And, uh, and where, do you, where do you get that? You can't manufacture that yourself over a beer and talking to your assistant coaches, how are you going to do this? And so if you really want to be effective, uh, just begin by putting yourself in our Lord's presence. And then, and they're all different ways of doing that. You know, as a Catholic, I... Go to Mass and receive the Eucharist. Doesn't get any better than that. Go to confession, the other sacraments. Make sure that you're living in the state of grace the best you can. And those are all gifts that you receive. You don't have to do anything other than show up and pay attention, right? Doesn't get any easier than that. But you got to put, you got to, you got to do it. And then, you know, saying 
rosary, reading, reading the Bible, you know, praying, uh, all of those things are, are really important. And you got to put, make time for that. And you got to put that into your time because it'll multiply your time and it'll make you much more effective with the little time that you do have in front of the people that you're trying to lead. So I, I would say that it's not kind of a, a no brainer perhaps, but um, I just want to emphasize that you got to begin with basics and you got to stay with them. You just can't, can't be a one and done. Okay. It's a lifelong, lifelong effort of, you know, falling down maybe and picking yourself back up again, uh, but, st but staying with them. Uh, and if you do that, not only will you benefit, but everybody else that depends upon you, you, know, you just raise everybody's game that way. Well, Chris, thank you so much. And, and thank you for being a guest. It's been uh, just a pleasure to spend a couple hours with you. I know a lot of times podcasts are very short and we really don't get to know the person nearly as much as what we would like to. And that's one of the benefits, I think, of the podcast that I run is it's a, a deep interview and, and you just learn about people and just why they're successful. It's so easy to see your success, as you say, is based on your faith. You're just a great, great role model. I want to thank you so much for being with us, and I'll see you hopefully at the National Conference for CORAC this summer. Have they picked a, a, a place yet? They haven't, but they're talking about South Dakota again. Okay. Which will be, you know, oh, and I need to tell you this next week we're buying an RV. So if we go up to South Dakota, we'll fit right in perfectly with our RV. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hope you can afford the gas at that time. Well, yeah, probably won't. <laughs> anyway, well, thanks, Chris. It's been great. I enjoyed it, Joe. Thanks.